Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hey guys, thanks for coming back and to our part two of my very interesting and riveting interview with Latre Wilson. And as you heard on part one, she talked about abuse and you know, going through um, childbirth with her son and the, the trial she went through there with the birth and then he has um, he has autism and so many other things that have happened in her life. So I won't delay the intro any further. Here is part two of my conversation with Latre Wilson. So they just started throwing me things, you know, sending me to, to doctors and uh, making sure he would get the intervention that he he would he would need to succeed. And so because he, you know, he got all the intervention at a very early age, I didn't know that, you know, I was setting him up for, um, for success because that's exactly what his doctors did. So by the time he got tested, uh, which was at five years old, around five years old, they could not find him on the spectrum. They just knew he was on the spectrum. And we're in the doctor's office uh, at the testing site. And a team of doc- another team of doctors come to me and ask me, well, what did you do? Because we don't see him. We can't find him on the spectrum. And I was like, well, is this a good thing? Because the autism world is new to me. So you have to tell me, is this a good thing? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) He's got his own spectrum. (laughs) He has his own spectrum. Like, um, he can hold a conversation with you at five years old. Like, you talk to him, he will talk right back to you. He could read, write. He could could do all the things that they said a kid with autism could not do. So is he like a savant? Basically. Wow. Basically. I call him right now. He's my baby genius. <laughs> I call him my baby genius. He is, he, you have to, you, you have to be in the, in the, in a room with him to, to understand why I call him that you, cause you don't see autism. I don't see autism. Um, and others don't see autism. They're, they're like something that's off. They don't know what it is. And I have to say, oh, he has autism. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah I've, I've had some friends with autistic children um uh-huh. so i had some exposure have you yeah. ever seen the good doctor yeah i love I really, that show. really like the show so it's very I, interesting I, I don't agree with how they have him talking because he sounds like a robot yeah and, we've, we've and mentioned that too and my son said <laughs> my son when i when i introduced this show to my son he was like i do not sound like that <laughs> no but he's probably just as smart as the doctor so yes no and it's so, just a tv show it's just a tv show but i did i can identify with some of the some of the quirky the quirkiness and some of the serious things of of having uh autism and how difficult it can be for for them to live in this world. And so um, I'm very passionate about uh, autism and uh, especially the parent. At, I, was at a, I was young when I found out my son had autism and autism wasn't something that was uh, broadcast like it is bro- broadcast now. Like it's, it's everywhere. Everybody got a kid with autism. You got a kid with autism. You got a kid with autism. Yeah. Well, in the 80s, you know, if you had <laughs> autism, you were just the weird kid in the neighborhood. There exactly. was no 
Exactly. And so now that it is definitely out there, there are resources that I didn't have that I'm so jealous of these parents. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You can what? Oh, well, come on. We don't want to be jealous. We can we <laughs> be happy for them, right? Yeah, I'm definitely happy. It's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't have that. It was just resources. Like, they have so many resources for parents now. I didn't have resources. It was a secret club. It was a yeah. secret club that you just happened to, happen to join and... Parents are so afraid to say anything, we don't have parents to talk to. And so our normal kids, you know, like my, my like my son like to say the regular kids, the regular kids, <laughs> they they don't understand what ASD parents you know, are going through. And so our parenting is definitely different. And so the conversation is different when we talk to each other. It's the empathy that we feel for one another. And it we feel it because no one really understands what we go through and no one really understands the type of parenting we have to do in order for our kid to not have a meltdown or our yes. kid not to, you know... Um, to succeed, I, I, I would say that, but um, the littlest thing, the littlest thing can just throw their whole little thing off, oh, and yeah. it's taking you three or four hours just to recover for, for, for because I, I, I cut a, uh, the sandwich from. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I cut the sandwich wrong. Now I, I got to recover from a meltdown, a five-hour meltdown. So that's like, you know, when the good doctor, you know, his roommate uh, rearranges the canned goods in the wrong way. It just, yeah. De definitely, definitely. It's the same thing. It puts the toilet paper yeah. on the wrong way. It's just, <laughs> it's just toilet paper, people. But but not to them. Not, not to them. them. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be done a certain way. And mm -hmm. yeah. Now he has gotten like that since um, with coins. Like that's his soothing, his counting, his change. Wow. And so maybe he can get a job at a bank. Oh I love that. Oh my goodness. He will count all your change. And so <laughs> it has to be put in a certain order. Um, it has to be lined a certain way. Please don't touch it. Please don't go near it because if you mess it up, you just messed up his whole little world. And um, I have to respect him and respect his boundaries when he when he's doing you know things like that because it's self soothing and so it's something that's bothering him and he has to calm down. And so that's his way of processing things. And so I have to be very mindful of 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 his space when he's in that zone of, of, of counting, of sorting things. And um, I see parents complain about it. Oh, he's doing this, he's doing that. Or I can't get my child to do this. And I, this is the craziest thing. I, I, I believe that it's self-soothing for them. And it's something that their brain is saying, hey, I'm trying to focus. So let's focus on this right quick. And so we can calm ourselves down. And so, you know, I, 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 since I recognize it, I just leave him alone and let him do it. And eventually he'll come, come to it. Mama have $40 in change. Okay. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. All right. Let's go so, to the store. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, well, you know, <laughs> with, with this pandemic and we've all found out that we all have things that we use to soothe ourselves and we yeah. have to find things to soothe ourselves exactly, because we're locked exactly. and we can't leave the house or, you know, um, or you uh, have to work from home or we've lost our job. All this stuff we went through, we, we had to come up with our own self-soothing. Oh, that was so. very tough for him. He, he had gotten a root cube. And so his Ooh. main thing was to 
get through the, the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> and it was probably September, October, he finally beat it. <laughs> go on TikTok and just yeah. video him. No, no. Oh, no. So I told him to do that. He told me no. He wanted <laughs> to figure it out on his own. I, I, um, I said, things are not hard. Go on to go on to YouTube, you know, go on to TikTok. And he was like, uh, no, I want to figure this out on my own. Why do I need to watch a video? I was like, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, people will watch him trying to solve that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and on okay. TikTok, they, they watch that stuff. So I thought, you know, people would find oh, that yeah. fascinating. Maybe I'll tell him, but he's, once it's done, he doesn't want to do it again. So <laughs> on to the next thing. <laughs> so you were in a relationship a destructive one, right? When you had had uh, your son. Now, how did you get out of that destructive relationship? You had this process of trying to get out. Oh, oh, no! Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, um, you had to get out. The destructive relationship that I was in, um, that was with I know exactly which one you're talking about. Me and him were together for five years, and that was the the abusive. Um, that was a mental abuse, a mental and emotional abuse, because I had just gotten out of a of, of a relationship that I had not talked about in my book. I think I I mentioned it. And he's the guy that passed away, and so I mentioned our relationship, but I didn't go in depth into our relationship. Um, that relationship was very, very special. And so um, I, sabotaged, I sabotaged that one too. Um, mm-hmm. He was a real good guy. I mean, real good guy. And um, I never really got over him. And so because I never got over him, I never um, healed from that relationship. I got into another relationship that I knew I shouldn't have had gotten into. I got into it. I had um, this guy. He stayed in the well. He he was lived around the neighborhood that I lived in, and, and so uh, for five years I told him no. For five years he were he was very consistent and very oh he was very happy when when I break up with, with my son when he was happy when I broke up with my son's father he was definitely happy when I broke up with the last boyfriend, because that's when he became my boyfriend. And so he was, he was happy. He was extremely (laughs) happy. So he had seen me with those two relationships. So he was happy that I was ending those relationships. And that that was his time to, to enter in. And he, he, he was very Mm -hmm. seductive. (laughs) He got me, he got me to open up in a way that I would never open up. I would not let my guards down. And he totally got my guards down. And he, oh my goodness, he would do this missing in action type thing. Like he would missing in action, but he'll call me and tell me exactly what I did. What? Yeah. He'll say, he'll call me, what you doing? Oh, I, oh, I, I, um, I, I, I know. I seen I, some. They told me where you went. Blah blah blah. So you would have people watching me. So he was me. spying on you and oh, checking yeah. to see if you were going to yeah. tell them where you were at. I thought it was cute for a minute. Oh no! <laughs> oh, thought it was cute. I was like, oh yeah, eyes on me. Oh yeah, oh that's so cute. No, no, dummy, red flag. I had a boyfriend like that that was looking in the windows and calling me up and oh he we he had people following me he he won't admit it now but yeah he he told me he had people following me he would have people following me um he uh he'll call and just say uh who's at your front door or who came to your house wait a minute wait 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 that is creepy. Wait, like how did why did you how did you when things started to to change 
it was like, I didn't like the way he was talking to me. I didn't like the, what he was doing. And the love that he said that he was loving, it caused pain. Like, it hurt. Like, it didn't feel good. And if you love someone, love does not hurt. Not, sure. not, one, none, not one bit. And so um, I remember this one particular time where he just disappeared. And I mean, just disappeared. And I was just distraught because I'm, I hadn't heard from him. But he would send his brother by to check on me. He would send his brother by to check on me. And mm -hmm. it's like, but he would know exactly what I'm, he, he, he could see me, but I could not see him. He could see my move. He could see my every move. So he had cameras set up? No, it was just how, how my place was, where, where I stayed. It was eyes always on my place. You could see my house. You can just see me. And and so um, you knew if you knew if I was there or not, my car. You knew if I was home or not, because the lights are on. Like you knew it was no way not to know. And no way not to know who is coming over or who's at my door. And so I, I did not, I wasn't putting two and two together. I wasn't looking at the red flags. I'm thinking that he loved me. I'm thinking that, you know, this is normal. Nope, none of this is normal. None of this is all abuse. And um, the, just the treatment, you know, just the the treatment of, oh, I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm there. I always have you, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't love myself enough to, to, I didn't love myself enough to leave. I didn't love myself enough to, um, I say enough is enough because I stayed for five years. Mm -hmm. I, I stayed for five, I stayed for five years. And then finally, I just was like, this is, this is too much. And finally, I just said, I, I got to go. If you don't leave me alone, he wasn't going to leave me alone. He was the relationship that he was not going to leave me alone. So I had to leave. Mm -hmm. I had to leave. I knew that he would not kill me, but I didn't know if he would. You know what right. I mean? Right. There's always that thing in the back of your mind. Yeah. Yeah, like he loved me enough not to harm me. He'll harm everybody else, but he wouldn't harm me. But you got to think, if he will harm them, what makes you think that he would not harm you? Exactly. You, you know what I mean? And so I started to, to fear that he would. And so I just made a out of sight, out of mind, I pretended like we were still together. I pretended as if I still loved him, but I was, I had a plan. I was making a move. Yes. I was going to move. And so I got a house and I moved. Uh, I moved uh, like maybe four or five. I moved some blocks away from him. He still didn't know where I was staying. I was still in the same neighborhood, but he did not know where I was and where I was, where I was staying until a friend of mine told him that I stayed in West. I still stayed in West Oak. Mm -hmm. So that gave him room to look for me. Oh. Now, now that right there, if anybody knows, if anybody's from West Oakland knows West Oakland is not big and it's easy to find. You just gotta be, you just gotta be willing to look. You, you gotta be willing to do the work and it's not, not too many places like you can hide, you know. You got to go through a main. Sometimes you got to go through a main block. So, so you're gonna be in a neighborhood, and so are you gonna be in the surrounding area? You can find it. And so one day I was I was in my house, and the phone rang, but it rang so it rang different this time. Same ring, but it just rang different this time. And the, I remember what he said to me. He was like, so. When was you gonna tell me you you were you were moving? Well, never. Yeah, it was like, but the way he said it, 
it was like, I'm going to get you, but I'm not going to get you. Just know, I know you stay in West Oakland. So that was, he said, I'm going to find you. Don't worry. I'm going to find you. And I was like, okay. And he found me. He, he found me. He eventually found me. Not because my friend told him exactly where I stayed. It was because he 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 wanted to buy me, and he found me. And so, um, but I had escaped. I I escaped. I had left him alone. By then, by the time he found me, it was probably six or seven months after he found me. And so I had moved on, gone about my business. Now I'm in a healthier space. Um, I'm not afraid of him like I was before um, before I moved. So I wasn't afraid of him anymore. He reached out to me. He was like, um, you know, I'm not going to hurt you, but if anybody hurts you, I'm going to hurt them. That was the threat. That was the threat. If still anybody- creepy. Yeah, still, yeah, it's still, yeah, still, still, still crazy. You're still stalking me, but yeah, thanks. Still crazy. Still crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's still crazy. Yeah, absolutely, by all means, still crazy. Still crazy. I remember him saying this to me. I, I remember if anybody hurts you, I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to bless you. He was like, I'm going to bless you in your relationship, but if he hurts you, I'm going to hurt him. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. Well, um, <laughs> now on top of all that, you had, you found out that you had, did you have dyslexia? And in your book, you talked about finishing college finally. Oh, yeah. So oh, how, how were you able to pull that off? That- I was a career student. <laughs> I was a career student. Yeah. Um, you know what? I didn't know that I had dyslexia until I got to college. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I didn't know. It wasn't. It wasn't diagnosed that until I got to college. I knew that I had a reading issue. I knew I had a reading problem um, in element elementary school. I knew how I knew because I used to go out for resources, and so my resources always revolved around reading. I went to Saturday school you know, to get extra help with homework or because I was behind and, you know, it always, it was that. But once I got to middle school, I didn't receive any of those services anymore. They stopped. They literally stopped. And so from middle school to high school, I struggled. I I did not get tutoring. I didn't get help. I had to, I had to figure it out on my own. Like I had to figure out what to do. And so um, I knew something was wrong. I just didn't get the help. It wasn't services like they have services now. Like I left the school, I just just left the school and they have a a, a dyslexic counselor. They have, (laughs) they have, you know, programs that you can put your kid in. It wasn't like that for us, you know, when I was, when I was young. And so, I had to basically fend for myself. So ninth grade year, I'm, I'm, ninth grade year was horrible. My first year in high school was absolutely horrible. I was a 1.0, 2.0 student. I cut every single day. I don't even know how I even got out of the ninth grade. I don't. And if I did get out, of ninth, well, how I did get out of ninth grade, I went to summer school. Summer school saved my life every year. Wow. So. I, um, we were, we didn't like, like not being in school. And so to have fun, we went to summer school. All our friends were going to be there because the, <laughs> for different <laughs> reasons than you, but yeah, yeah. so we all going to be there. So let's all go to summer school. And so we all would go to summer school. And so finally, um, I went, I would go to two. And I knew that if I went to, my brother taught me a trick. He was like, if you go to a community college, it's only six weeks and you get that high school credit and you don't have to complete that class for the, for the school year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, 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 Let, let's try that. I did that uh, my, my sophomore year. 
I took biology. <laughs> I took biology. <laughs> um, I had this teacher, her name, we called her, her name, I uh, forgot her name, but it wasn't, her real name was not Frenchie. We called her Frenchie and her name was not Frenchie. We called her Frenchie. <laughs> and so um, she came in, she was like, you know, you're going to flunk my class. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. I know. And so she was like, so I'll see you next school year. And I was like, nope, no, you won't. I took biology in the summer. <laughs> so you will see me this semester only, and I passed. And so <laughs> I, I took that. And so because I took a half a, a semester of biology, I was able to take another course in, in the meantime. So I was always a step ahead. You know, and I would go to summer school in the summer, but I would go to the community college because I knew if I went to the community college, I, it would only be six weeks for the summer. I'm done for the semester. So, and then we had after school. Our school uh, was connected with the, with the, I guess, the adult education program that was in our school district. They uh, would come to our, our school after school and you can either go to... Uh, take uh, more high school classes after school to get caught up. And so I did that. I, I, I would take whatever, whatever I was lacking, I would make up for it. And so by the time I got to, by the time I got to my senior year, second semester of my senior year, I only had four classes. And so I only went half a day. And that was because I went to summer school. I went to after school program and took courses. And so not knowing that I had a dis disability, I just knew that I needed to stay ahead of the game. I was always one step, you know, one step forward, you know, just one step. And so I just took advantage of that. And then my friends, like, we did not want to miss school. We would cut school, but we didn't want to miss school. So school was in. And so we- School I was cool. School was cool back then. School was definitely cool. And so once I, um, once I got to uh, college, I, I, it was a choice because I didn't have to go. My parents was like, you either go to, go to school or go to uh, get a job. That was the, those, those were the options. I was supposed to go to the military, but I didn't go because my, my best friend broke her ankle. Shame mm. on her. She broke her ankle, and because we were on the buddy system, she was my buddy, and I couldn't leave my buddy behind. No. <laughs> couldn't leave my buddy behind. And so because I didn't leave my buddy behind, I stayed home and didn't go to the service. And so I um, went went to school, and that's when we found out I had a learning disability. My um, godmother took me to get um, uh, tested. And once um, we got tested, we were able to figure it out. Okay, we can we can work. We can work with this. And so I was still in mm. denial. I was still in denial, though. It wasn't until after I had my son where I took education like seriously. So it took an extra two, two, three years for me to actually take it, take it seriously. And um, the only reason why it took me so long to take, you know, to finish it was because I was caring for my son. And so right. I, I couldn't go full time. You know, I couldn't, um, I had to make sure my schedule was arranged for, you know, for arranged, uh, how can I say it? I had to accommodate my schedule to accommodate my son's schedule. Okay. And so that, that that meant maybe one or two classes. If I, if I was able to take four classes in one semester, that was a good year. That was a real good year. And so I just... I like, just it's took, time for your nap. Uh, yeah. I don't need a nap. I'm not tired. Well, you need a nap anyway. I need to study. <laughs> yes. And so, and even within, I still, I'm still in school with him, uh, figuring out if he has uh, ADHD and autism. I'm still in school. <laughs> so... Hey, uh, you're always learning. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm still in school. And so I finally, uh, I finally, finally got my bachelor's in 2000, uh, 2013. 
after many uh, years, you know, what, $84,000 later, (laughs) $84,000 later, uh, I I finally get my bachelor's in criminal justice. So um, I I vowed that I would not go back to school, but um, I got bored. I got bored quick. Like a year later, I got bored and I said, you know what, I'm going to go back for my master's. And I did not know what I wanted to get my master's in. And um, I debated and finally I was like, let's let's see what this teaching thing is about. And so I went for my master's in teaching and it was, it was everything that I needed to know, like to, to put me where I am now. And so now I look at things totally different. Um, special education is a uh, is like near and dear to my heart, not just because of my son, but because I, I know that it's it's I, I was a special special needs kid, and so I know what it feels like to have that disability. I know what it feels like to be talked about. I know I connected with it. I connected with it in so many levels or so many ways that I was I I was able to learn from it and. Hey, we're here now. Amen. <laughs> yes. Now, um, I'm really interested in the listeners hearing how you fell back in love with God. Oh, you, you, you left church. You went back to church. Mm-hmm. How, what did that journey look like? That Looking back at that journey, that journey looked very, very wild, very crazy. Um, I was not myself. Like I was not myself. Um, mentally, I was in denial about anxiety and depression. And so that took, that consumed my life right there. And so, um, I think I gave, I gave a testimony a couple of weeks ago and, um, and I had to uh, thank anxiety, um, for, bringing me back to Christ because it, it, I was, I was, I was far away. I was gone. I was out there. I I said, I was not, I remember the day. I remember the night I said that I was done. I did not want to do it no more. I did not want to have a relationship with Christ anymore. I was walking away and I was good. Like I felt that thing. I felt it. Like, I'm good. Mm. Um, not saying that I did not love Christ. Not saying that I did not love, like, I, I didn't, I'm not going to say I did not love God. I did not love God. I was just tired. I I was tired of doing what everybody's saying do to get closer with God. And I'm not seeing any results of what you know, you guys are telling me to do. And it was like, I'm definitely tired. And I'm born and raised in the church and I'm still not seeing what I should be seeing. How dare you? You know, how dare you string me along? That was my, that was my feeling. Like I was very upset. And I began to cry. Like I was really, really crying. Mm-hmm. Like, like somebody hurt me cry. Right. And and I'm laying in the bed and I hear I hear I hear a voice. And it's like I turn over and I'm just crying. And he was like, I got you. And I'm, you know, I turn over and I was like, but I'm so tired of this. I'm serious. Like I'm really I, I'm mad at God. Like I'm angry to the point where I don't care what you say to me. I don't believe what you are saying to me. So no, I don't want to give you another chance. I don't. I don't. I'm tired. He was like, I got you. That's all he, I got you. And he said, very soft, I know you're tired. I know you don't want to do it anymore. I know you're ready to give up. If you just give me one more chance, I got you. I literally 
fell asleep. I woke up the next morning and it was different. Like, what just happened? Like, did, did I just have this moment with God? Because I felt his presence. His presence was there. His presence was there. And I'm feeling totally different the next day. I want to say the next day was probably like Monday. So I had to wait to go to church on Sunday. Now I'm, I'm, at, a, I'm at a whole other church. And I love my church called PFBC Praise Fellowship Bible Church out of Richmond, California. Oh, Pastor William Coleman, the third excellent Bible scholar. He was preaching the same prayer that I had prayed or the same conversation that I had had with God. He preached the sermon and I began to bawl because mm -hmm. everything I had said, he said. It was like he had put a camera in my room, secretly recorded the conversation, and replayed it Sunday morning. How dare my pastor do that? Shame on you. <laughs> Got to have a conversation you. with him. <laughs> I'm going to talk to my pastor. Like, what did you do? Did you put you in my room? It was that. And... And then it was like, I told you, I got you. And I, and every day from the day he told me that he has had me, he showed me he had me. And it's a difference when you see God move in your life just so you can trust him. It was like, I have to come down from where I am so you can see for yourself that I am real, I do hear you, and I'm going to see you through. Mm. Wow. And so because of that sermon, I went back the next Sunday. But during that week, I was able to hold on to everything my pastor had said during that Sunday. Now, mind you, I've grown up in church. I've been in all types of services. Mm -hmm. I have never in my entire life, my entire Christian life, been able to hold on to a sermon and eat off of it every single day yeah appreciate it and then, I, and then i get to go back to church on sunday and refill amen who, who does that and somebody so, that's been moved by the lord that's who oh my goodness and so because he was faithful because he showed me because he had to come down from where he was just to tend to me, me, little old me, mm -hmm. come on now, why can't I be obedient to God's will, to God's way, because he has came down for me. Who does that? He has a whole, whole world to tend to, but his lost sheep is on his on her way down a road. I knew that I was not going to be able to come back from because I was gone. He knew that had I turned left, I would not be right where I am right now. Amen. And so it took what I went through to get me to have a relationship with Christ right now. So I thank the anxiety. I thank 
the relationships that I've been through. I thank every guy that I've dated. I thank every person that has caused chaos. I thank myself for creating the chaos to get me to where I am right now, to have a relationship with him, to see his face and to see him for who he is. So I, that's where I am with my relationship with Christ. It's totally different from what he what it was oh yes and i can't wait to see what he has next what he has next for me because all you have to do is be obedient he, he don't tell you to do anything else well he does tell you to love love god love his people love, love, love his people but you have to be obedient to god's will and, and I you already that- you've already discovered this but you know i tell i i say this all the time on the podcast you don't have to do anything to earn God's favor. You Absolutely. already, you Nothing. are already loved by the Lord. You don't have to do all these legalistic list of things, like going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, prayer meeting, soul winning, <laughs> just to get more favor with God. It it doesn't. You he already, already loves love you. He, he doesn't. He doesn't need you to. What people don't realize is you wake up with grace and mercy every single day. Amen. You get new grace and new mercy every single day. And I need it, sister. <laughs> every single day. You get new grace, new mercy every single day without doing absolutely nothing yeah. but being a, a child of God and being obedient to his will, and you wake up and you get grace and mercy. How about that? Amen, sister. Ah! Jesus already did it for us. <laughs> already did it all for us. You get grace and mercy. You get grace and mercy. Get, that's right. <laughs> that's right. He's better than Oprah's gifts. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Top that, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. Good stuff. Now, as we're kind of coming to the uh, end of our time together today, really? I'm, I'm enjoying my time with you. I really am. You know, you you're taking care of your mom here. Oh yeah. Yes. And that certainly helps you grow as a person too, right? Oh my goodness. Oh, oh, during that, let me, can I, can I tell you a story behind, behind that? Sure. So 2017, I walked into the classroom for the first time, my own classroom, and I am going to be a teacher after years and years and years saying that I would not be a classroom teacher. I finally decided to do it. Well, that right there created a monster in me that started the anxiety. That right there, because I had passion and love and care for um, special education, I did not know how to, uh, I didn't know how to turn it off. And so it stayed on all day, all night. Well, it created a monster. So fast forward, May 2nd, 2018. Um, I called my mom and I'm talking to her. She is fine, absolutely fine on the phone, just sound a little tired. And so um, I'm like, I'll call you when I get off of work because I was venting to her. And so I, ca- I finally call her and my nephew answered the phone. My nephew was like, um, uh, she can't come to the phone right now. She's in the hospital. I'm like, wait a minute. I just talked to her like, <laughs> duh, just talked mm-hmm. to her. What happened? Um, so apparently she, um, she had a stroke. She had one on the left and one on the right side of her brain, which caused a uh, left side weakness. Uh, and so when I found out, I was on the next thing smoking to Arizona to go check on my mommy. I found out on the second, I, by the third, the next morning, I was sitting at her hospital, her hospital bed, making sure my mom was okay. Now I took off work which was the best thing I possibly could do because it relieved some stress because I was already stressing from the 
because I was a teacher. And so um, I had to make the, the choice. Do I leave? Do I stop what I'm doing or um, to care for my mom or do I allow someone else to do it? And so um, my brother and my sister, my sister had just started her job. And so her job security wasn't necessarily, you know, stable. And so my brother, my mom had moved out to Arizona to help him out. You know, he's a, a military vet. And so he has his own issue. So she was there to help him. And, all right. So who's going to help my mom? <laughs> Who else is going to help my mom? And so I, I made the conscious decision. I, I spoke with my brothers and my sisters. I said, hey, what do you think we should do? You know, do you think I should take off? I had already some years in my uh, district I was in, had never taken a day off. And so finally I reached out to HR and find out, you know, can I take off? Will I be able to, um, you know, survive? Because there's no income if I take off, you know what I mean? And so kind of find out everything. I didn't have to worry about my income. Everything was fine. And so now I have to take on the responsibility, okay, do I stay in Arizona and care for my mom or do I uh, re relocate my mom from Arizona back to California? Oh, I shouldn't have never done that. However, it, I, I, I believe it was part of God's plan, part of God's plan. And um, because of that, it made me a little bit stronger. It um, uh, allowed me to place boundaries and put boundaries uh, uh, in front of people. And I didn't know what I was being prepared for, but it started preparing me for uh, things to come. And so my mom finally, we leave Arizona like in July or June or July, come back to California. My mom was with me from July 2018 to literally, uh, what? February and March of 2019, I cared for her. So um, my mom was in the wheelchair. I had to rearrange my my home. I mm. gave up my bed. <laughs> I slept mm. on the couch. Uh, <laughs> I I I inconvenienced my life to convenience my mom my mom's life. Well, and that's what we do, I guess. Yeah. And I didn't know that I didn't have to do that. You know, I, I thought that it was my responsibility to care for my mother. I thought it was my responsibility to make sure that my mom was okay. Yeah, but um, the truth is, it's not my responsibility to make sure that my mom is okay. My responsibility is to care for my son. Um, my, my, my job is to honor my mom, make sure that, you know, she is honored. And so um, I, I had to... Uh, set some boundaries because I'm getting ready to leave. Like I'm, I'm in the process of moving too. Like I'm trying to figure out my life because I don't want to stay in California anymore. And so um, mm -hmm. I had to go in and out of California to Texas. I was in and out of town, you know, for 18. I think I was, I lived in my suitcase all of 18, all of 2018, wow. I lived in my, in my suitcase because I was either in Texas, I was in Arizona, I was flying to California, I was just flying, flying places, you know, looking to move, and finally I moved to Texas, but I had to release my mom back to my brother, make sure he cares for her, making sure, you know, she is doing what she is supposed to do, but it took a strain uh, out of my life because God still needed me to do what he needed me to do. And mm -hmm. having that responsibility, um, I can't do what um, he needs me to do. And so I had to, it looked like I, like I was abandoning my family. It looked like I was, a, I, I was abandoning my mom, but I wasn't. I had to um, prepare myself for something that God wanted me to do. And because God is first in my life, everybody couldn't understand the no's that I was, th I was throwing out, you know? Mm. 
they didn't understand that. And I, I had to let them know, like, look, my relationship with Christ is very important. And what you don't understand is that he wants me to move. If I had a choice, I would stay. But the happiness that I experienced somewhere else, the peace and joy that I've been lacking for so long, I find it in a place that um, brings me hope. And, and, and so I can't care for you. <laughs> I, I, I can't care for you. Sorry. And so I had a lot of family upset with me because they thought I was abandoning my mom. No. When God tells you to do something, you pack your stuff up and you go. Yep. <laughs> when he went to go get the boys from the, the, that was the issue, he said, drop your net and come with me. They did not go back home and say, hey, mom, hey, dad. I, I met this man on the road and he told me blah, blah, blah. And they're like, hey, but with a da, 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 da. No, they dropped the net and they was like, all right, let's go. Yeah, even and one so, of them asked, hey, can I go bury my father? No, I, I'll let the dead bury I, the I, dead. I, I gotta go. I, I gotta go. And so they didn't understand that. And so now, mind you, I had, I'm going, I'm still, I'm going through counseling for the, for my, uh, my, my, my anxiety, mm -hmm. but I'm also going through spiritual counseling with my pastor once a Very month. Very good. Yeah. I had to add that component inside. It's, I needed, a, I needed a balance. I really needed a balance for the mental and the spiritual because they're separate, but you need them both. Absolutely. And so, and so because I had the spiritual guidance and because my pastor backed it up with his, uh, with, with, with word and with scripture, it made it easy for me to make the decisions that I was, I, I was making. And so, and it was just giving me confirmation of what God wanted me to do. It was giving me confirmation of what I needed to do. And it was all Bible-based. He backed it up with scripture. And and I because I was I was very I, I wasn't compliant of to what he was saying at first. Because I was like, but wait, 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 wait a minute, Pastor. But this is and he well let me let's turn it here. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't. You, you, you mean I don't have to like them? No, but you do have to love them. Oh, okay. <laughs> that answers that. Yep. You know, and so because I, when I started to bring out, uh, put up barriers and stop you right in your track mm -hmm. for what you're getting ready to say, people started finally to understand, hey, she means business. And I'm like, look, I see, I saw myself going down a road that was not healthy. I could have stayed, but what cycle would I would have been breaking? I would have been repeating the same cycle, but a different, but it looked different. Well, I was tired of that cycle. Yeah. I was, it was a toxic cycle. And so I had to, I, I had to say, you know what? Enough is enough. Who is going to leave? Who is going to go and do what they need to do? Mm -hmm. And so I had to be the example that it can be done. You can go, you can leave, you can do it. Had not my mom had that stroke, had I not had anxiety, had I not had any of those things, I would not be where I am. And so her her disability, her her sickness, it helped it helped me because now I'm seeing what I don't want to do. Now I'm seeing what what happens if 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 I continue not to listen. You know, this is what happens when you don't listen to Christ. 
This is what happens when you don't follow, you know, don't don't follow my will. When, mm. But when you surrender your will in your way and you follow me, you will get results. Right. And and so I had to, I it was hard. I had to leave her alone and, and go. Now she's back with me and um, I still don't want to do it. Like I now I don't want to do it. Um, and so now uh, God is sending so much help. Oh my goodness. God is amazing. He's definitely amazing. Oh, that's so he, good. He is definitely helping me out with getting her services. Um, I'm getting people call. Uh, people are calling me like every other day telling me about what needs to be done. And I'm like, well, it got done or it's getting done. And they're like, how did it get done so fast? And I'm like, you don't know who I know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, her her disability or her having a stroke, it helped me a lot. It helped me uh, be who I was. I think I wrote my chapter, had she not gone, uh, I mean, had she not had that stroke or something like that, I would not have had the voice that I had because I had to take on a whole nother voice. Things happen for a reason. Yes. Yeah, a whole nother vo- a whole other voice, and I had to um, I had to stand up basically. Now this is this has been such a good time. You have such great stories, and okay. you're definitely a storyteller, and you have so much wisdom from the things that you've learned. Now, thank you. Give us, give the, give the listeners your best piece of advice. <laughs> oh my, listen, listen. Um, you don't know everything. <laughs> you don't know everything. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Like you don't know everything. No, you don't. Sit down somewhere and you listen. Listen to, the, li- listen to what's not being said. Mm. That's what you have to do. Listen to what's not being said. And then go back and question it. Don't be afraid to question. Don't be afraid to question God. Don't be afraid. Ask the questions. And if you find yourself repeating the same pattern all over again, I'm pretty sure you, it's not healthy, you know? (laughs) So, you know, if you pass the test, you don't repeat the same things over, you know, over again. You can move on to the next thing. But if you find yourself repeating the same thing over and over again, it's most likely that you didn't learn something. So what you want to do is sit down and say, hey, hey, Lord, what is it that you want me to learn that I'm not learning because I'm repeating the same pattern all over again? So what is it that you want me to learn? And I know I'm not going to move from this place until I learn. I don't want to go through this again. So can you help me learn whatever it is that I need to learn so I don't have to repeat this pattern and if I repeat this pattern make me stronger so I I won't you know I won't fail Mm. so good (laughs) that is so so very sage advice that everybody needs to hear that not just our young people especially for the young people it's for the young people if I can get you young if I can tell my story, my story is not to scare you. Um, I'm, I'm transparent because it wasn't, people wasn't transparent with me. And so the more transparent you are, the, the better understanding you, you, you will have. And so that's where I am. Everybody's got to get a copy of your book. So Tell us where they can get your book so they can read more about your stories and more about you. Destined to be blessed. That's my website that you can actually go on to. But to purchase the book, you can always go on to Amazon. You can go to Barnes and Noble. You can go to Google Books. And you can also go to lulu.com. If you go to lulu.com, that's probably Mm. faster. Mm. You'll get your book a little bit. Wow. Faster than Amazon? Wow. Yeah, that's the public, not the publisher, but that's the printer. And so you're getting it fresh off the the, uh, press. So if you go to lulu.com, you can actually um, get it from the 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 press and uh, well, wherever they make up the books and there 
But you can also find me on Instagram, uh, Destined to Be Blessed. That's where you can find me. And you can find me on Facebook too at Destined to Be Blessed. And just type in My Last 20 because that's the name of my book. And um, yeah, that's where you can get me. Yeah, connect with you and ask your advice for sure. <laughs> you can ask me any anything. I am an open book. That's a that's a lot of uh, a lot of people don't understand or don't know about me. If you come to me and ask me, I will be willing to tell you. Now, if it's too private, I will say, hey, 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 a little bit too private, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that that will definitely break a cycle or break a curse. Hey, I'm your girl. Come to me. We got to do it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on to the podcast. You definitely have to keep in touch and come back onto your show. If you come back onto my show. Oh, you, you're getting, you're getting a show. I am in the process of creating a podcast. I'm hoping to launch sometime in uh, September. And so I'm working on some things and, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get started. This is well, I, yeah. I I'd be happy to be a guest and tell my story. Yes, I would love Absolutely. to. Absolutely. I appreciate you for reaching out. So thank you so much. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.